Greetings and salutations. This is the Phil Brothers Journey. Isaiah Danbury is a lawn care business owner, a stoic enthusiast, a Joe Rogan fanboy, and a fun-loving, storytelling fellow. And we just got done doing what? We just got done running about just short of a mile with, well, just no shirts and gym shorts. And then when we got done, we laid in the snow for about two minutes all together. What's the temperature, would you guess? Take a wild, wild guess. No accurate checking. Okay, okay. Just I would say that it's probably 10 degrees out. Somewhere around there. No, no higher than 20 degrees. Sounds about right. So, yep, that's our, our prep here. We did, uh, did a little run, did a little cold, did a little shot, hanging out here with some coffee with the wifey, Isaiah's wifey, and the pup pup laying here on the ground. That's right. It's good to be here, my friend. What's, uh, I'd like to start with you telling me the oh-so-famous and fabulous story of the old poo-poo washer. Okay. So there was this experience I had. Oh, it was, let's see, I was 18 at the time. So it would have been almost six years. Yeah. Six years ago, I, uh, I was woke up one morning just like any other day. And I got in my truck and I left the house. And I was working with Bill the plumber, a local plumber I know. And while I was working for him, I got a call from my mom. My, my parents have a uh, appliance repair business, Danbury Appliance, heating and air conditioning. And Shout out to Danbury Appliance. That's right. And they had a customer that needed a washer taken out of the basement. So my mom, she shoots me a text with their name and their address, and I head to their house. And I get to the house, and we're not going to use real names, so let's just say that this lady's name was... She will never hear this. <laughs> but go ahead and make up a great name. Let's say her name was... Shirley. Shirley Schmidt. Okay. So Shirley comes out, and she's like in her mid-70s. She probably weighs about 90 pounds very frail old lady okay and she looks at me and she's like oh they just sent you i, I don't know if you'll be able to get this out by yourself and you said do you know who you're talking that's to that's right that's right i said i'm pretty stout i think i can handle it so so i got my dolly i headed down to the basement and as i was headed down to the basement i noticed there was cat hair everywhere okay and as i stepped down onto the floor i felt a squishy feeling that I believe to be cat poop. Ooh, the old feces. Everywhere. Yeah, Eek. there is a lot of cat poop in this basement. Eek. And so I make my way to the washer, and I get my channel locks out. I start unhooking it, and then she's like, I, I really don't think you can handle this by yourself. And I'm like, why do you keep saying this? And she's like, well, it's full of water. And I'm like, what? So I open the washer i look inside and what i see next 
changed my life forever. <laughs> Do tell. It was full of what I believed to be brown, poopy water, clear to the rim. Mm. Yummy. My mind was bouncing back between a state of being and non-being, hmm. life and death. I What I saw, it just it, it put me in a state of comatose almost. Did it catalyze an out-of-body experience? Is that what I'm hearing? Nearly. Uh-huh. Nearly. Okay. And so as I was just gazing into the darkness, I, I had to close the lid quickly before I uh, went to a place of no return. Okay. And so I... At that moment, I made the fateful decision to try to take it up the stairs full of all the poopy water on the dolly. Now, this was when I was 18. I probably would do things much differently now, but alas, that is what I decided to do. You can't go back in your time machine and make it different. I, I wouldn't, you know, because it was, it was quite the experience. And now you have a lessons. story. So I hook it up to the dolly, and I'm pulling it up the stairs, heaving and hoeing, and She's helping, but, you know, she's a very frail old woman, so there's, you know, little she can do. What specifically was she doing to help, I would like to She So I was this. I was trying to pull it up the stairs, and she was trying to push it. Ah, so she, she was, was down. The, yeah. She, okay. Excuse me. She was on the bottom trying to push, and I was up, up on the top pulling. Got it. And I get it to the top of the stairs, and I'm in this very awkward position to where it's not moving, and I just about drained all my energy to where I'm, I'm too tired to get it any higher. and But if I let it go, it's going to fall down the stairs. And she's standing at the bottom of the stairs, and I'm like, what are you doing? You need to move out of the way. She's like, well, I'm trying to help. And I'm like, well, you'd help out a lot if you moved because this could fall on you and kill you. Get the F out of the way. And so we wrestle around for a few minutes. I'm trying to get it out of there. It's not working. And she's still not moving out of the way. And I'm like, is there anyone that lives here with you that could help me? Because I thought I heard her talking to somebody when I got there. And It wasn't the cat poop that she was talking to? No. Okay. And so she's like, well, there's my son. We'll call him... Goliath. Goliath. Okay. Yes, we'll call him Goliath. <laughs> she's like, oh, there's my son, Goliath. He's, he's 53, though, and has back problems. Mm. So I'm like... Sounds like the it. perfect helper. Yeah, I start <laughs> calling for Goliath. And as I'm calling for him, she mentions that he's had a few. Ah. And it's only 4.30 in the afternoon. A few what? Uh, alcoholic beverages. Okay, got it. Uh, prob- a drunk, a drunken back-problemed helper. Probably strong liquor. Ooh. So... He shows up, and he's smashed. Mm. And it's only 4.30 in the afternoon. He's yelling at his mom. What, what are you doing? What the hell are you doing? It's This washer could fall on you and kill you. And he's screaming up sanity. His front door is open. whole town can probably hear him. He doesn't <laughs> care. He's yelling at his mom. Not helping me much, though. And I'm like, hey, you need to help me or leave. And he's like, he tries to help me, and he's like, I can't help you, man. My back's broken. Yeah. And thanks a lot, Goliath. Yeah, thanks, Goliath. <laughs> Not. And so it finally, it slips from my hands. Luckily, with his kind words of encouragement, he was able to get her to move out of the way. Otherwise? And otherwise, she'd be dead. Uh-oh, that'd be a bad turnout. Yes. Well, she's actually since then passed on. But R.I.P. Shirley Schmidt. had 
if not for her son's encouragement, I would have helped her along the path much quicker. That sounds quite traumatic at 18 years old, experiencing that. So I'm glad you did not have to. Yes, I as well. All right. And so it's falling down the stairs, water splashing out the top, but it falls down the stairs, lands kind of upright, all the water's still in it, and I'm like, if you want me to take this out of here, I'm going to have to dump all this water out down here, which I should have just done to begin with. A.K.A. fecal pudding. Yes. I mean fecal pudding. Fecal pudding, yes. yes. And so I, she's like, okay, over there in the corner of the basement, there's this, uh, there's this area where the, the floor is dirt. Just dump it there. And I drag it over there. I dump it, and it just uh, brown, poopy water goes everywhere. How'd that smell? Whole floor. It was like an eclipse of darkness. <laughs> the the scent overtook my senses. Yes, I and imagine. I was wading through the darkness, and uh-huh. I grabbed back hold of the washer, uh-huh. and I taking it up the stairs. And when I get to like the fourth step, I step in some water hmm. and I fall. Ooh. Yeah, and but you know, I kept even in hoeing and I finally got it out of the basement. So look at you go. Yeah, I spent a lot of time meditating on it, you know, wondering why did this why did this why did this happen to me? Hmm. And I I realized that there's a metaphorical message behind the story. Please enlighten us. I will. Thank you. So the washer represents someone's heart or their mind. Okay. When it's weighed down from all the, you know, the crap from your past, Uh you're going to struggle to go up the stairs of, you know, whatever it is you're trying to achieve, whether it be success, fulfillment. If you don't deal with that, that stuff that's weighing you down, it's going to, it's going to do exactly that. It's going to weigh you down. Hmm. So you got to humble yourself, go back to the bottom, dump it all out, and then you can go up the stairs. You may slip and stumble on some things from your past, but if you are persistent, you will be resilient. Got it. That is epic. What does Goliath represent in this uh, parable? He represents people that come along and don't really help out much and really stand more as an irritation to uh, distract you from your goal you're trying to achieve he's the adversary interestingly enough yes there we go so the satan interestingly enough still brings some level of wisdom to the situation where he's we'll call him 95 percent unhelpful and negative however that five percent saved old shirley's frail life that's that's right so even when negative people come in they still sometimes can offer something that can then bring benefit right for the good yeah there we go so that's goliath and then what does shirley represent in this parable of depth. That's a good question. We will now um, pause on that and get an answer at some point in the future. So if any listeners have any insight on that, feel free to uh, enlighten us. Yes. And you'll probably get the answer by the end of this recording. Yes, I'll, I'll be meditating on it. So parables, interestingly enough, and or your metaphor is touches on to the next thing we're going to talk about, which is your philosophical slash religious uh, journey, we'll call it. Okay. Um, So you've been through quite a gamut, I do believe. When we first met, I think you were 10 or 11 years old, and something that I knew about you at the time, which was very little, was that you gave up watching TV from a young age. Right. 
And so what led to that decision and, and how did you come about that at 11 years old? Because 11 years old, it was like eight hours of TV for me, son. So what did that look like for you? Right. So I believe when I started kind of my, my spiritual journey, or this is when I became started my religious journey, I was about 13. And I was just, I had gotten to a point in my life where I was really, I just, I started to become really mindful of uh, my actions and I started to become really convicted uh, of different things in my life at the time. Um, and I, I felt really very attracted to the belief system that I'd grown up in, you know, that I think looking back now, I think I was looking for some sort of meaningful thing to live for. And that, uh, that really, uh, I was really attracted to it. And so, uh, yeah, I had quit watching TV for, I think about nine months. And in that time, I had started to read the Bible a lot. And, um, just, yeah, I really soaked in the information. So interestingly enough, on the way here, actually, I was listening to a podcast. Josh Waitskin uh, was talking with Tim Ferriss, and he was talking about the concept of a cave experience to where we remove ourselves from, usually it's distraction, it's habit, it's the inertia of having to make constant decisions and just being in the flow of things, being busy about being busy. And he, he advises high-level CEOs, and this is a concept he applies, is a cave experience, to whatever degree that is, right? And so the clarifi clarifying question was, well, do you have people like just like quit their job and like go off literally in a cave or a, like an island? Or And he said it's varying degrees, but some people can't afford to do that or don't have the time or ability to do that, have family that they can't disconnect from. But in that, whatever level that we're able to disconnect from, creating space then we can gain additional clarity on what's important to us or right. what direction do I want to go in or what do I value. And what I value now, is that what I valued five or ten years ago? and Or do I just go on autopilot and just say, I'm in habit, this is what I am, life is life, don't really think much of much and just keep rolling? Or do I retract, cause a void, cause some space to then regroup and then go forward with more energy, intent, and impactful behavior. Does that right. speak to what you're saying so, there a little bit? So, like, right now, like, my, yeah, my beliefs have changed quite a bit from then. Um, I wouldn't say I'm religious anymore. I'm kind of more agnostic. But I still view that as a very important time of my life. It, it was a, a time that I started be, to become more mindful of my actions. Uh, uh, taking every thought captive, like Paul talks about. And that even to this day, learning those, I guess, traits or abilities, um, practices, you know, I still apply them to my life today. And so it, uh, it was just a time in my life where I really started to search after something bigger than myself, something meaningful to live for. Yeah. Uh, it, so I, I, I'd say that it was kind of the first domino that fell to get me to where I am today. Again, it's, it's a, it was a very important part of my life. So in that, 
you know, you use that terminology, which can be fearful to some religious people, right, agnostic. Um, but still, the spiritual lesson or perspective you gained in what you're describing there, and you even quoted Paul in that, like that's, that built the foundation for you to experience life in the spiritual way that you decide to now, which is not identical, you know, to what we're talking about when you were 13. No. However, you still gleaned the lessons, the concepts, the perspectives that you still value now and, and apply maybe in a different way, but nevertheless right. similar that you still hold to value, correct? Right, correct. Yeah. Correct. I would say what's most different now, like I wholeheartedly do believe that you know, you have to have some sort of value system, you know, some sort of moral code to live by. You know, our actions are very important, you know. Living a life like Jesus taught someone to live is a very good way to live your life. You know, it, it's very important that you have something like that to live by, to where you're, you're thinking about your actions and how you treat others. But I, I guess I, I've taken a step back from the supernatural beliefs, you know, um, just kind of explaining who we are, where we came from and what God wants per se. You know, I do believe that we have a creator. I do believe that the universe has purpose, but I guess, well, like the word agnostic means to not know, you know, and I, I just, I don't know anything about who God is. Sure. Really. So it's like a, like a humble I, stance that you've chosen to take in that instead of saying, I definitely know who he is and he's this, that, and the other. It's, I'm not quite sure. I do believe that he exists to some degree or, or, way shape or form to bring me to a level of right, yeah. value purpose I morality say, i wouldn't say that it's me trying to be humble as much as it's just i guess the where, where i am at in my journey i don't think we can really know there's we can't know who god is or i we so act I, like we do but i really don't think we can so i would push sure. push back a little bit in that because i think it is a level of humility is saying I'm okay with saying I'm not quite sure, as opposed to this spaghetti monster created us all, and you better freaking right. figure it out. And if you don't believe that, you're going to burn into the eternal plate of spaghetti hell and beware. Right. Like to, to think that you completely have everything figured out. And there's probably some uh, a lot of different parts of the spectrum along the way of these two, I'll call it extreme versions. But nevertheless, it's still, I'm not quite sure, but... I want to, to live a meaningful life. I right. want to have aspects that are meaningful. I respect and uh, appreciate what Jesus taught and how he taught it and, and value that. Right. doesn't mean that... I would say I'm a man of values, but not necessarily a man of faith. There you go. Gotcha. Thank you for sharing that. So 13 years old, you stop watching TV for nine months, you read your Bible, you start getting more serious about that. Then what... Ha were the next steps in your journey as you're, you're young or, or later teens? What did that look like for you as far as developing in that? So, like, in my first few years of my spiritual journey, I attended the same church that, you know, me and you had met at. And I had, for, for at that point, I was really just, I guess, kind of limiting my uh, spiritual studies to, like, the Bible. And... Until a few years later when I had, we had met a family that they were more, they were Torah observant, but they were, I guess, more unorthodox per se um, than most Messianic or Torah observant people. And when we say Torah, can you, can you clarify that real quick? So the Torah is 
first five books of the Bible, the books that were um, believed to be written by Moses. Okay. And uh, Torah, me, Torah is Hebrew for instruction. Okay. So, and uh, and so this guy that I had met that ran the Bible study, like he had, like I said, some pretty unorthodox beliefs, like uh, different views on who Satan was, different views on, well, they had different views on Jesus. And uh, they were more, I guess, open to the rabbinic or uh, orthodox Jewish view on things. And after that, I had began to, they began to have a, a Hasidic rabbi come to their house for Bible studies on Monday nights, I believe it was. And so at that point, I started to, I started to be around more, I guess, a wider variety of spiritual people. That And one thing I noticed was that though they, you know, they all drastically believed something different, they all had, you know, the same hope. They all believed that they were doing the right thing, you know. And I guess that that's where maybe I started to think outside of the box on, You know, does every does the faith that I grew up in is that the the correct one? You know. Yeah. So, was there um, like an aha moment in that process that you would say, or was it just kind of a accumulated building momentum and continuing to develop in that, and then that kind of led you to that? What I would say, yeah, I would say the latter. It was more of a, a snowball effect. Mm-hmm. Um, I be having more experiences with people of various walks of life that really did believe that they were doing the right thing wholeheartedly. They all had hope. And they all believed confidently that they were doing the right, that what they believed was the correct way. Gotcha. And so what can you speak to in regards to, like, the echo chamber concept? Okay, so, like, there were, okay, so I guess one aha moment was, like, the church that I was attending when me and you had met, they were very, I guess, to the book, you know, we're going to, they believed that they were, they were following just the Bible, even though, in hindsight, much of what they were doing was their interpretation of the Bible. Okay. They were very fundamentalist. Um, and along with that, they had a lot of opinions about uh, Judaism, rabbis, that when I actually, I guess, had experiences with the people that they were talking about, they, they spoke negatively of them. When I had actual experiences with them, I found that, that it wasn't accurate. It was kind of a us versus them mentality. And after that, I, I guess I started to see that us versus them mentality in many other religions and belief systems. And and we were talking about this earlier as well, and that extends beyond religion, right? Right, and politics. Typically, it has something to do with, I don't understand that group. I haven't maybe met that many people or any people in that group. Right. I haven't took the time energy the emotion to try and understand those people because they're wrong and therefore they're bad and therefore they're different than me and i don't want anything to do with them as opposed to saying is it possible 
they might have something of value to offer not only me but society and that they don't have to be 100% bad and I'm 100% right like what can you speak to that so it seems like most people that I've had experiences with that speak most vehemently or combatively against out, outsiders to their you know belief system, ideology, group. They seem to be the most, I guess, typically, typically the people that are most combative to outsiders, they're most, I guess, uninformed about outsiders, you know, like... They're at the church we were going to. They they spoke a lot about Judaism. They didn't know anything about Judaism. Um, you know, didn't. There's just, I guess, so much more to understanding a belief when you actually know somebody and have a friendship or relationship with somebody that believes that. Because that's when, in the friendship or the relationship, that's that's when you actually really see what the person believes. You know, you can you can say. Uh, you know, your creeds or, you know, what, what you believe. But at the end of the day, what you believe is defined by your actions. And it's just, I know it's, I, I don't, I guess I don't see it as, as simple as, you know, all the good guys belong to this belief system and all the bad guys belong to this belief system. It's much more complicated than that, you know. Got it. There's, it sounds like there's a lot more colors in the spectrum than right. just, you know, dark and light. So um, we're reading a book, my there's wife and I. There's fanatics in every group. And there's good, humble people that believe that they're doing the right thing in every group. So there's both levels of the extreme and then a lot maybe in the middle as well. Right. Right. And right. so we're reading a book called Vagabonding. Yes, sorry. No, no, not need to be sorry at all. I appreciate it. Um, and it's highlights the concept of traveling, gaining the ability to experience life on a different level, right? With different countries, different languages, different cultures. And that helps us to see life and perspectives, philosophies in a different way. But if we are so stuck on saying, nope, my little box is all I want to know. The block that I grew up on is the block that I know and everything else is scary or wrong or bad. And so no, thank you. Then, it seems so limiting and there's so many other options out there. But if we don't look beyond that, we don't have the ability to be humble enough or open-minded enough, then that's limiting us. Right. Whereas right. if we travel and we're open to experiencing mankind, womankind life in a way that is different than maybe we grew up with or that we've always believed and realize there's so much more beauty out there. There's so much more variety out there and that's okay. Then, it seems like that's so much more freeing. You know what I mean? Right. So I don't know that that's concept stood out to me when, when you're saying that, but traveling gets, uh, gets me excited. Right. I think a lot of it does have to do with the scary aspect, you know, like even like, I'll just narrow it down to like Christianity. Uh, doubt is, it's taught that doubt is, you know, you're, you're doing a bad thing. You know, if you're doubting. And I, I guess maybe this is a weird analogy, but I've kind of looked at it as... 
like say from the moment you're born, there's told that there's somebody behind you holding a gun to your head. And if you look to see if the person's behind you to begin with, they're going to shoot you. So that's kind of like how it is with doubt is, you know, sometimes through doubting things, we see the true nature of it, you know, because we, through doubt, we question, we, we, we're critical, we criticize, we, you know, maybe take a more objective approach to it. You know, it's nothing wrong with being a skeptic, but if you're told from, you know, a certain point that you can't even do that to begin with, it causes complications. So, you know, I understand a lot of people who just, they, they want to, you know, they don't want to question it and they probably think I'm a heretic for questioning it. You know, I was there and I struggled with the fear of doubting, you know, and I guess maybe having a negative view on myself because I began to doubt so yeah it's it's hard it's hard to it's hard to get up get out of that point to begin with because you know if you if you're if there's a negative character value associated with that you know you're it's harder to do it yeah and it seems the the biggest enemy and we were talking earlier on this as well is that fear right and last night it stands out to me i was talking to my 16 year old and I guess you'll 15, almost 16. And we were talking about the concept of fearing other people's opinions. Right. And I don't care if you're 16, 26, 66, that still exists to some degree right. within us. Definitely. It's never going to go away completely. The key is how, what relationship do we have with that voice that comes in our mind? Well, what are they going to say, whoever Definitely. they is? Definitely. You know, so... How how is that um, applied to you in, in that journey? Because it sounds like it would it would apply. That was probably the hardest part of I I guess walking away from all that was that my whole identity and my my whole I guess sense of belonging community was really invested in my religious walk. You know, my many of my closest friends, my best friend, they were all religious and. Uh, you know, those relationships changed after, you know, I, I guess kind of came forward about, you know, where I was or what I was doubting, what I believed. And when you say they changed, what did that look like specifically? Um, I had a, I had, so I had a falling out with my best friend that we had, uh, we had known each other since we were probably toddlers and, uh, you know, he was the best man in my wedding. I was the best man in his wedding. Um, even to the, even to this day, I, you know, I haven't had a, a, a friend where I guess I would say I, I felt as close to and trusted as much as, as much as him. And, uh, I would say that we struggled with a lot of the same things and including, including like doubt and um, I, I think when I was honest with him about where I was coming from, it created a lot of fear uh, in him regarding like who I was, what I was believing. And, you know, I, you know, I, I, am like a textbook overthinker, you know, so like there was a point in my life where I was much more, I guess, fearful about things than I am now, you know, probably <laughs> I was probably most fearful when I was most religious but um, 
No, I so I, I understand. I understand where the fear came from with him. Um, and that was probably, I guess, the hardest part of being honest about that was that I knew that I was going to lose some of those friendships. Um, and I think, I think that's, I think that's one of the main things that I guess, aside from the fear of just doubting, uh, that is the losing of friends, losing of community, you know, your whole, you, you're, you're kind of just getting a clean slate, slate of your whole identity for at least that that's the way it seems. Yeah. And that sounds very hard. So in that counting the, we'll call it counting the cost, right? Like I'm going to lose this. I'm going to lose these, like a lot of things you're losing. What is the value statement, I guess, to yourself of, but I'm gaining blank and, and is it, or is it not worth it? Or looking back, it, was it worth it? What, what did you gain from that giving up and, and how do you view that? Um, so it, it had gotten to the point where I had started to really believe really unorthodoxly, if that's a word. We're going with it. <laughs> Probably not. It is now. <coughs> Excuse me. I wasn't necessarily honest about that because of the communal aspect of a lot of people would be freaked out about unorthodox beliefs. You know, like I guess one example was like my view on uh, the devil. Like most mainstream fundamentalists believe that the devil is like the adversary of God that you know him and god are it's, it's dualistic like they're they're waging a war and sometimes it looks like god's winning and sometimes it looks like satan's winning but how i had begun to see it is uh i guess more along the lines of uh what i understand to be the like more jewish rabbinic view of it is that any bad thing that you encounter in life is a test from the almighty and so I, I kept beliefs like that to myself. And there's, a, like, I guess a long list of other ones like that that I kept to myself. So but that one stands out to be kind of at the forefront. So I guess what I felt like I was gaining was being able to be just more authentic and honest about who I am, not fearing, you know, the rejection of others because I, I guess it's something that I came to terms with was going to happen. And uh, it's... Just I, I I was kind of done just not being honest about how I saw things out of fear of losing friends because I, I guess at that point I'd saw it as you know if if I lose friends because of it you know how you know how strong is the bond that I really think that we have? It's based on something that's not one hundred percent true, right? And so back to what you're saying, gain I gained the ability to be authentic, right? And then again, let's take another step then. By being authentic, I also gain, like, what is the value of being authentic? Peace. Peace of mind Peace. within yourself, right? Right. Peace of mind. Um, yeah, I'm not, not conflicted, not worrying about, is this thing I'm, I'm going to say, is it going to make so-and-so flip shit because that goes against, you know, the orthodoxy. So, um, yeah, I... Really, it's I guess 
it's being honest about what the truth is, you know, not, not, uh, not, not allowing myself to question things because of the danger. You know, if it's true, it's true. And if it's not, it's not. So, you know, just because certain things come along with that belief system that made me feel good, you know, an identity, a sense of belonging, you know, it's truth is truth. And it's, in, it's important to me. Yeah. Even though <laughs> it's like, good luck if you, if you think, if you think, uh, if you think you found the truth, you know, I guess that where I'm at is like, it's like, it's, I, I don't really think, well, I think we, you know, we, we know some truths, but like overall, you know, the truth of the universe who God is, I think that's, you know, I, I think, uh, I don't, not sure if in my lifetime I'll ever know for sure, but I guess it's, it's about a journey of over remaining stagnant. You know, and uh, um, comfortable. You know, it's where I'm at now. I feel peace, but back then I felt comfort. Okay. And I, I wouldn't say they're necessarily the same thing. Interesting. So peace, um, as opposed to comfort. Comfort in I may be wrong. I may be not. I'm going to tell myself I'm definitely right. right. That's comfort. Sometimes maybe doubt comes in or peace skepticism. Is just, I guess dealing with the war outside rather than staying in the living. So comfort's like staying in the living room where it's nice and cozy, and peace in my mind is dealing with the overall issue, you know, issues that I was, I guess, internally conflicted with, uh, you know, doubts and whatnot. So let's there's doubts that I needed to talk about, that I needed to think about, meditate on, that you know I had really just shoved them in a box and ignored them for the longest time. Right. So let's take that to what we were talking about as well with the concept of uncomfortable conversations and dealing with uncomfortable things, right? Something that you're told this is the case, this is the way the world works, and when you come to find out maybe that's not the case, what did that look like for you, specifically what we were talking about, let's say when you were eight years old, how do babies happen? What did that look like? (laughs) What do you mean? How? Yeah, how are you told babies... Oh, there you okay, go. Okay, I was told that um, babies were born through kissing. Okay, that and that's why you don't kiss outside of marriage because you could get pregnant. Got it. So <laughs> don't kiss a baby. Bone be coming pretty soon if you're gonna be kissing. Right, right. So, so like if somebody if somebody'd like uh, get pregnant out of wedlock or you know teen pregnancy, it's like I guess they were. They're kissing. That sucking face will and get that, you. By the way, I was homeschooled and lived on a farm. So when I was real little, I had a pretty pretty sheltered upbringing. Gotcha. Give you some background. So kissing brings babies. Obviously, you've come to uh, realize that's not the case. However, there's uh, those that you still know that have some level of uh, understanding that way. But going back to the concept of difficult conversations of things that maybe were just taboo, right? And it seems like it maybe is generational sometimes, or maybe it's a, a religious uh, circle or, or concept. How does that, that look from what you've experienced to how you would like to handle, you know, with your children differently and how you view it now differently than growing up on, on a farm well, homeschool? So, yeah, I guess part of 
the what I gleaned from my transition from religious to non-religious is the importance of difficult conversations, rather it be with ourselves or with somebody else. You know, it's it's important to be authentic and honest, and so um, that's that's a, that's the way that me and my wife function in our marriage is we honesty and difficult conversations are like at the forefront of you know importance um it's like uh in jordan peterson's book 12 rules for life one of his rules is be honest or at least don't lie another one is uh be precise in your speech so say what you mean mean what you say um you know don't give passive aggressive signals you know obviously everybody does that sometimes you know guilty but overall it, you know that's important to me to and why is that better deal, than deal with the things at hand you know don't don't uh don't sweep the problems under the rug because it's going to build up it's going to build up it's going to build up and eventually you have a big old mountain hiding hiding underneath the rug so like in jordan's book uh example that he uses is it's a children's book that i can't remember the name of but basically there's this dragon in the house right at the beginning of the book, it's the size of a cat, and he's telling his parents, you know, there's a dragon in the house, and there's like, there's no such thing as dragons, till eventually the dragon is, you know, like a normal sized dragon because the dragon keeps growing. How is he growing? Does he is he getting fed? Like, what's the? I, I can't remember. Got it. But he's growing and he's growing, and then they're like, oh wow, there's a dragon in the house. I told you. And then, then they ask uh, the son's name, I believe, is Billy, and they. Like, why do you think he got so big? And the son says maybe he wanted to be noticed. And so if we don't deal with the problems, then they'll get big, bigger and bigger until we, they have to be brought to our attention, you know. And so rather that be the case with dealing with difficult conversations with kids, dealing with difficult conversations between you and your spouse, or dealing with difficult conversations with friends about where you're at in life or difficult conversations with yourself it needs to be had or it's just going to build up it's going to build up and you know it needs to be dealt with i think so that's that's another reason that honesty and authenticity is important to me that's interesting because i think that the maybe the delusion we tell ourselves is i'll never have to talk about this or it's never going to come to light like they're always going to think kissing leads to babies which obviously isn't the case but at some point, it's okay. We're not going to tell them this truth about, you know, how babies are coming to the world. Right. And if our if our go to is to always avoid it, then there's always psychologically, automatically going to be like anxiety associated with that, with that uh, issue. Versus if your go to is to okay, we're going to discuss this. We're going to try to analyze it, try to understand it, you know, and and talk about it. And so, it's interesting too because. Maybe every time is not always the right time, right? Like maybe having that conversation with a three-year-old, eh, not applicable. Having a conversation with a 12 or 13-year-old, probably more applicable in shedding light on things like that because it's going to be noticed one way or the other. So instead of saying, not my responsibility, or I don't want to deal with this, I want to shirk it, and same thing in, in marriage, right? Like I, I don't really like how my wife does blank, or she doesn't really like how I do blank. But I'm not going to say anything because I don't want her to be grumpy with me and, you know, her going to say I'm always doing this or whatever, vice versa, saying I'm going to try most humbly, most loving, compassionate way of saying 
I think we should talk about this and, and having maybe rules of communication of how to do it in a healthy way right. versus pointing fingers and being a, accusatory and saying, I want to talk about this because it'll be benefit. And I know it'll be uncomfortable right now, but back to the comfort versus peace. But in the long run, we will have a, a functioning flow of peace that we can rest in versus I never want to be uncomfortable. So let's just not talk about it and pretend it doesn't exist until obviously you got the dragon. Right. And I guess that kind of goes back to my thoughts on comfort versus peace. You know, you're dealing, peace is dealing with the war outside versus dwelling in your comfortable little cozy uh, safe space. Gotcha. So in this, this reminds me of a concept that Rogan talks about, um, owning your inner bitch. Right. So, and, and you're wearing the Rogan shirt here. So can you give me uh, some insight of why you chose to wear the uh, the old Rogan shirt today? Oh, it's well, it's the uh, you know the the old ancient proverb when two or three or more are gathered to record a podcast, the spirit of Joe will be there. You know, there you go, flowing so, so in the podcast. He's going and and just inspiring us in that regard. Yes. But back to that conquering your inner bitch, like we we want to naturally be comfortable on a regular basis, right. and you have to look that in the face and say, I'm not willing to do that at the expense for my long-term peace. Right. I will be uncomfortable right now because I'm, I'm not willing to give up that long-term right. peace of mind within myself. Right. Hence doing the hard things or the things that put us in temporary discomfort, like laying in the freaking snow right. or, you know, cold plunges, or there's probably a handful of and other that, things. That goes back to some of the important lessons learned in religion is, uh, you know, in the teachings of Jesus, especially, you know, or really, the rabbis in you know orthodox judaism very rarely is the path of comfort suggested you know you're, there's like you're conquering your flesh you're conquering the uh, the evil inclination you know the, the the side of you that wants to take the path of least resistance that wants to uh, you know that that's that's one thing that uh, religion seems to succeed in doing is like taming some of the some of the things that are really pertinent to our human nature are like our animal nature, like anger, violence, greed, lust. Um, those are things that seem to be the easiest thing to pursue, but where we we see that there's a quality of life if you conquer that, you know. Mm. And so that that's something that from an early age I realized was important and. Religion is uh, plays a role in helping me realize the importance of that. It sounds like it set a good foundation. Right, for that, right, right. And you know now that applies to uh, you know my workout routine, uh, my relationship with my wife is uh, you know there, we we're always going to have these toxic qualities existing within ourselves that we need to tame and we need to conquer. You use the word easiest, so it reminds me of uh, something that my wife. Megan told me that her mom would tell her growing up, it's, is this the best thing or the best decision or the right decision, right. or is it the easiest? Right. They are almost never the same, right? right. Usually it's, eh, it's a little bit harder to do this thing, but I don't want to. I don't feel like it. It's, it's hard. It's uncomfortable. And ultimately making that standard decision, I will do the uncomfortable thing. I will do the hard thing, and I'm going to make myself do it every day whether it be right. working out, again, cold plunges, doing whatever it is, 
and getting in the habit of that versus always shirking that. Right. And it's, I, I don't know why, but it's very, I feel like we, there's the satisfaction in life that we can find when we're struggling for something, you know, s- struggling for something that has meaning, you know, working hard, working towards something. Um, I know after a long day of working out in the sun with my lawn care business, uh, I just, I feel good. You know, I feel like I've accomplished something. You know, it was a struggle. I, you know, I was sweating my ass off all day, but just the quality of life that I feel from it, it's, you know, it's important. Yeah. So when we're connecting to purpose, connecting to meaning, connecting to doing something that's productive and beneficial versus again, something that's like, you know, for thousands of years, our ancestors, they struggled to get us where we are today. And I guess maybe as a uh, result of their struggling, a lot of us can really live comfortably and cushy. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It's important. It's important to struggle for something good. Indeed. So switching gears a little bit, back in the day, we used to work out Yes. After church yep. and or before a men's group or whatever, right? Josh's weight room. Josh's weight room. So we and I talked about that in my other episode with him being a fire marshal Brown. Yes. Uh, and he had the the I war believe, ropes. I believe Josh's name for me was Captain Stinky. He would always <laughs> complain about how much I how much I uh, I, I just I, I had this odor about me when we were working out. When I just my philosophy is if you don't stink in the gym, you're doing something wrong. And then his philosophy was, wear some damn deodorant, son. That probably probably would have helped. (laughs) Oh, that's so good. So, but at that time, I don't know if you remember, I was training like barefoot running. Yes, yes, I do. And so I was wearing the Vibrams, and then I was also not wearing the Vibrams and running out on the street. Yes, I went with you one time. Mm -hmm. But I think that your parents probably thought I was absolutely nuts. And I think you were a younger teenager, so they were like, concerned to some level that i was negatively influencing in you and, or is that well, not a thing not a, never okay never they've mind never, they've never had that opinion they think me. i'm an angel and <clears throat> I, I have the best advice yes all right good Pre- pretty much got it so but nevertheless i was maybe i was concerned that they would be like what are you having our son do like no one barefoot runs especially not teenagers stop it but that was probably just my own voice in my head thinking that they said that um but yes kettlebells the battle ropes, all kinds of stuff. We were getting after it. And now you're obviously much larger and stronger than you were as a teenager. Hopefully. There you go. Yeah. And you, you set them habits uh, early in, in doing that. Uh, anything else that you remember about that time as far as how that influenced you? or we? I had a good time. Uh, I know that I guess that was the first time because, <clears throat> yeah, starting out, my dad was driving me there. So this is before I even had a driver's license. And I guess it was my first uh, experience working out with a bunch of people in a gym because I'd have, you know, at my parents' basement, I that's just where I had kept all my weights. And so there, I experienced some discomfort because a lot of people were pointing out, hey, you're doing that totally wrong, you know, or why are you doing it that way? And it's, uh, I for a lot of people, I, I've noticed when people start working out and then you're working out around other people and they're critiquing the way you're doing things, it's, causes a lot of discomfort but i'm you know i'm glad that i'm glad that people pointed that out and, and you gained some technique out of that right yeah there yeah. you go so that's i guess i 
like especially talking to Chad after that I really start the quality of my workouts and you know the uh, results of the workouts started to go up yeah that's good getting them gains son Mm -hmm. so what are their silly stories that you remember from back in the day or anything stand out to you we usually talk about and this stuff and reminisce of course then trying to conjure it up uh, on the spot isn't always easy we used to eat yes we did yeah like a boss yeah uh josh he would always make something nice i really remember his uh i believe they were the asian peanut butter sauce wraps yes those were the bomb.com they will be serving them in heaven of some sort i hope so there you go yes they were absolutely fabulous so shout out to Josh and his culinary skills. He took care of us there. All right. So what purchase have you made in the last year or so, $100 or less, that you're like, dude, this thing is the bomb. I'm glad I have it. Does anything stand out to you in that? Um. So like as far as like hobbies go? Anything. I've really gotten into beard oil. Okay. And I've purchased a variety of beard oils, beard butters. Beard, that's just kind of like my thing that I go and spend money on for myself. Okay, so let's say someone who's not educated on the old beard oil. Uh, what is the benefit of having beard oil or beard butter versus not? How has that affected you? So like beard oil is kind of better than beard butter because it, also, it keeps your beard soft, mm-hmm. but it also keeps the skin underneath the beard soft and hydrated and so you're gonna the result is going to be a fuller and healthier beard gotcha and uh beard beard uh beard butter is good in the sense to where it keeps it it, i guess it lasts longer than beard oil okay it's kind of like a leave-in conditioner Uh uh-huh and so the gift that keeps giving throughout the day and uh another another little hobby i've started is um collecting like pipes for Smoking pipe tobacco. Um, I, I, I was so I was watching a YouTube video that I, I found out that based on the tobacco, the type of tobacco you're smoking, you got there's a different type of pipe for that. So okay. I like the aromatic tobacco. It smells real good. Mm-hmm. And I found out you're supposed to use what's called a billiard for that. So ah. Just last week I went and bought myself a billiard pipe and very much enjoyed it. Good. Well, thank you for sharing that. I'm glad that the the billiard is giving you great joy and value. Thank you. Um, in the regards to men's beauty products, if we can call it that, yes. uh, my my brother-in-law was talking about the uh, the soap that I've seen multiple times advertised online, yet not uh, brought myself to purchase it yet. But based on his uh, advertisement, I may. Doctor Squatch. There you go. Yeah. So I I, you, I, I, could, I sensed it when you're building up to that. I was like, he's gonna say Doctor Squatch. And so, what's your experience there? So Darla bought me a bar of Doctor Squatch for Christmas. Good looking it out. It was the best bar of soap I've ever used. Woo! That's quite a claim. And what was the flavor and or whatever they call it? Uh, bourbon citrus. Bourbon citrus. Yep. And then, are you familiar with any other ones? Is there pine tar? I feel like yep. I've pine, seen. I, okay. I, I've only used uh, bourbon citrus okay. so far. Does it have like um, like flakes or like Oat some metal. kind of rough yep. that way it like exfoliates, mm-hmm. right? So yeah, he, the skin on like my butt and my thighs is really, really uh, sensitive. I like have kind of uh, 
I just need some exfoliation there, and uh-huh. it exfoliated my butt very well. Congratulations on your ass benefits. Yes. Um, my brother-in-law was saying, again, he would find excuses to take a shower. He's like, before, I was like, showers, you know, take it or leave it, whatever, you I know. I used it in my beard, all, all over the place. And now he's like, I find excuses. I'm like, I need to get clean again. And then he's like, yes, this soap. So. Yeah, since I've ran out of my Dr. Squatch soap, I, I don't know, I taking showers just kind of lost their their purpose like i I think i went four days without taking a shower yeah well good kind of a i wonder why you were called mr stinky i'm shocked at that that ever happened um so then it sounds like i need to get you some dr squatch and revitalize your experiences yes for the shower okay i'll look at look into that yes i would highly recommend that all right so men's beauty products um, let's go with, uh, shows, Netflix shows, binge shows. What have you been watching in general? Do you guys have a go-to? What in the last year during quarantine or whatever? Do you guys have anything you're like, dude, this like really hit with us? What's that look like? So probably my favorite show that I have the ability to binge walk, wa- yeah, binge watch is South Park. Okay. I just, uh, wholesome show. Uh, not, not wholesome, but it, in my mind, in my opinion, it is a cultural work of art. Okay. The way they their satire on current events in the world, it, just uh, watching it brings much joy to my heart. All right. And I, I get a lot of enjoyment out of it. Um, and I they're just, still making new ones. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they. It's they been actually, around forever, right? Okay. Yeah, since I think the late '90s, um, they made a episode. Like I think in 2020, they only recorded one episode. It's called the Pandemic Special. Okay. And. It was pretty interesting, definitely uh, not uh, very wholesome or family friendly, but uh, entertaining nevertheless. Entertaining, nevertheless. There you go. Yes. Not for all uh, children and faint of heart. Right. Got it. Um, so speaking of the the pandemic, my brother in law, other brother in law, Brad, was telling me about the. Uh, there's a radio show in Dallas. They refer to the pandemic as the Pandy. Okay. And so they kind of, uh, on a regular basis, how's your pandy going? What's up with the pandy, you know? So how would you describe your overall pandy experience? Um, so it didn't really affect us very much since with my business, it's just kind of a two-person crew, me and my wife. We do about 90 to 95 lawns we manage. And uh, so since it's just the two of us and we're not, we don't have a full crew of employees yet, like there you know, weren't really – and many regulations they were coming at us with. Um, there was a period of time where, like, we weren't supposed to be uh, working, doing lawn care for a couple weeks back in, like, I think, I don't know, April. But, uh, again, like, the law enforcement that we, we spoke with them, and, you know, it, since it was just us, wasn't really any di- just the two of us it was, really wasn't any different if we were chilling at home together or if we were working together in somebody's backyard so gotcha um so, so you had the in on the locals the most part i've been very last year was actually just in general i feel bad or selfish saying it but it was really one of the best years of my life yeah because that's uh, great the, yeah our, our business did uh better than ever before uh there was so yeah, I am in the best shape I've ever been in. Um, there was some, uh, I guess, mental health uh, accomplishments I made. I back in tw- back in 2019, that was probably 
my 2020 because that just I uh, there was a lot of I guess things from I guess like my transition from religious to non-religious bad experiences I had with friends uh, etc that I needed to deal with it was kind of the dragon or the mountain under the rug that was it needed to be dealt with and so 2019 for me that 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 was a pretty rough year but come the beginning of 2020 I really I overcame those and it just kind of set the mood for the whole year it was a good year Um, and I know that not many people can say that yeah so I'm I'm grateful hashtag blessed hashtag blessed so that sounds great for you Right. And uh, I'm glad to hear that. And I would encourage you not to feel guilty about that. So I, I understand where you're coming from with that. Like, it was very right. difficult for the right. majority of people that maybe we know are in this country. Um, however, you know, but certain. I think God was very unaffected. Like, really, then, other than having to deal with the inconvenience of like wearing a mask in a store or some of my some can some concerts I wanted to go to got canceled. You know, things like that, but, you know, it was stuff that I could, I could, you know, just deal with. So you mentioned concerts, so that brings my, up to my mind a few things. So we've gone to a few concerts. Yes, uh, we have. Shout out. And, but I think there was one that I went to without you. Yes. Yeah. A, and it was with me Boy Casey. and Boy Casey, yeah. and I went with Mike Marling, and... I didn't say anything to you about it. Came back and you're like, Posted you like pictures on Facebook. Did we? Or maybe yeah. Casey did. I think Casey did. And then I, I see you and you go, I know what you did. Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I texted you. I sent you a text message. You text me. And I, I, I said, I know what you did. Dot, 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 dot. And you're like, what are you talking about? And I sent, I sent you like a screenshot of that post. And I was like, don't you know, I'm like his biggest fan. <laughs> And I was like, uh-oh, I'm in trouble. And you were like a teenager at that point, yeah, 16, yeah. 17 or 17 something. 17 or so. Yeah. And then, yeah, since then, I believe we went to like, I think, two other Midas Yahoo concerts. So that was your uh, your sole correction. Yeah, there we go. You know. Your dad came with uh, earplugs. Yes. And uh, Yeah, him and I think Brian came. and excuse me. Um, it was a jolly time. Boy Casey. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was a merry time. And Matasiao jumps into the crowd basically every time and then also invites everybody up on the stage when he does right. one day mm-hmm. and kind of signifying unity and, and a positive outlook. So that spoke to me right. quite a bit. So And I don't really go to concerts, so that was like pretty much the only concerts that I've been to in the last 10 years. Right. So, But nevertheless, I know what you did. <laughs> that stands out to me so much. Yeah, I was going to see... So like a lot of the bands that I was going to see, they were like alternative metal. That's I, I really in the last year or so, I've I've really gotten into alternative metal, mm-hmm. where like previously that was more like classic rock, country, which I still like all of that. But and probably. I also remember we went to your house at the other place before the happenings went down and, and Derek was over there and we were listening to Pink Floyd and there's a little level of discussion and banter between you two on that. Oh, well, you and uh, you and him decided to <laughs> gang up on me and make fun of my most favorite band in the world. I love Pink Floyd yeah. and yeah, you guys just don't, I, I think my response then was, 
You guys just don't have the uh, the taste for fine art. We're uncultured, uncultured swine. swines. Uncultured yeah. swines, yes. So, and again, I don't really have a problem with them. It's just I didn't grow up listening to that. It doesn't really stand Neither out to I. me as, as being exceptional, which is probably like blasphemy to many people, probably most people listening to this because they're super epic to most people. But nevertheless, they, they don't their stand album, out to me. Their album, The Wall, changed my life. There you go. That's a pretty big claim. Deserves the claim, yeah. It's there you a go. Good album. It's it's earned the claim. Yeah. All right. Um, what else? What else was on your mind? I feel like there was another thing that I wanted to say in what you were saying before the concert thing, and now I'm drawing a blank. What were we talking about? Uh, oh yeah, yeah, the Pandy, Pandy, and your experience there. So in that, 2020 was epic for you guys. Yes. Mental health things that you dealt with is the terminology you use. Would you be willing to share anything specific? Or would yeah, you? sure. Yeah. Sure. sure. So, like, again, it was a combination of things. Um, if, like, I, I think I was depressed for about a year, year and a half. I think, I don't know, I, I think I finally came to terms with that maybe six months before the end of, I guess, when I finally was able to deal with the, the stuff that I had been struggling with. Um, I think a lot of it had to do with leaving religion. It just, it was kind of like, I don't know, I maybe I needed to find my footing again. Because that was, again, it was my, it was my worldview. It was what my identity was founded upon. It was what, for the most part, gave me a sense of like community and belonging, you know. Um, and so, with that, there was a lot of things that I needed to deal with, you know. I needed to come to terms with, you know, just I guess moving on and moving on. And um, a lot of it, a lot of it had to do with. Also, my experience with losing friends in religion were probably the hardest, you know. That's hard. Um, with that and then some other experiences prior to leaving religion that I had had, I really, I, I don't know, I guess I felt like there was this sheet of glass between me and other people. Everybody felt really distant. I felt like I didn't have a friend that I could uh, just be myself with, you know. Um, yeah, with with uh, I think it the rejection that I that came with being honest about where I was at, you know. I just I kind of felt like. Uh, I don't know. I guess I. I guess I associate being myself with ab abandonment, and so I felt. I just. I felt really betrayed by a lot of people, and um, I think. I think some of it was me feeling sorry about myself, and some of it was me just uh, accurately responding to some shitty things people said and did. Yeah. Know? So. So in that, what specifically, you know, talking about. 
2020 being good for you mental health, what were some of the habits or applicable things that you did to deal with that and to overcome that? So part of what I guess came along with the dark time that I had went through, we'll call it that, the depression, was like I like like you had mentioned for most of my teen and young adult life I was really fit and I had you know had a pretty pretty consistent and strict workout routine but I I had just kind of let go of that didn't really have a, a good diet that I was going by didn't have a regular workout routine I I, I used the fact that I was really busy with my business as an excuse to not work out and so um but in while i was depressed i started lifting and i had started running and actually it started with uh i was listening to a podcast with joe rogan the joe rogan experience and he he was talking about how for him working out it teaches him to be just kind of apply that resilience to the rest of life you know like the struggle is good. The, you know, it's cause you're, you're struggling cause you're growing, you're, you know, you're moving forward. It, and so I, uh, I started running a lot, especially. And, uh, I would just, I don't know, for me, running was a really therapeutic time. I just, I'd get out there and run and I'd just think about life. And, you know, I, I just had a lot of anger that I was releasing through, you know, physically running and, uh, hashing it out in that way and just being out there but also being out there with like this was in the middle of winter you know feeling the wind on my, the cold wind on my face the ice on my beard the uh you know it just it felt really good you know I felt like I was conquering something so I think I felt really defeated and I think I, I felt like I, I I needed to conquer something you know and so I think my running was really symbolic of something going on internally that I needed to conquer. That's and that's awesome. So I was listening to a podcast, Tim Ferriss and Dax Shepard, and Dax has dealt with uh, drugs and alcohol, you know, for a long time. And then he went through a significant period where he was sober. Right. And when he starts to feel that depression pressing in and that pull to do things that are unhealthy that he doesn't want to do, he's noticed that it's when I'm not exercising, when I'm not moving, when I'm not staying engaged in that, and it's such an interesting and consistent thing that I've noticed so many people saying that that have struggled with depression and gone through that coming out of it exercise is almost always a significant right. part of that right it it just taught me to use that strength you know because you know when I was depressed I was a really damning aspect of it was I was emphasizing on you know oh my you know, my friends aren't in my life anymore. Oh, I, I dealt with these, these, uh, these, you know, shitty things. That's like, okay, okay, you're gonna, you're just gonna be a bitch about it. You're gonna mope around about it. You're gonna be depressed about it. You're gonna listen to, uh, you know, depressing, sad songs, or are you gonna, you know, is, are you dealing with it in a way that your ideal self deals with it? You know, so it, it, uh, I guess it kind of it helped me paint an image of who my ideal self was and you know I guess start acting like your ideal self. Don't. Can you explain what that means? Ideal self? 
the the self that you'd want to be, um, the self that the best you you can be, you know the the self that's you living out the values that you hold dear, rather than you know maybe you know maybe I can be that way or no be that way, you know. Not like a Don't. like a wish, like oh maybe one day like I can start right, doing right. habits maybe, and specifics maybe, today. Maybe someday I'll you know have this thing or be this way. No, form it, make it. It's it's within your grasp. So yeah, I I I guess I really discovered a a doer side of myself that you know. That's awesome. So another thing I've heard uh, about like, do you want to be proud of yourself? If you want to be proud of yourself, don't base it, or we'll call it self-esteem. Don't base it on just this, you know, ethereal thing that your mom thinks you're the greatest, so therefore you're the greatest. Do stuff that's hard and overcome it and start little tiny habits and start building on that. Therefore, you look back and you can say, I ran in the cold with beard ice growing out and I overcame it. I finished my run and I'm proud of myself for that. And then next run I'm doing, I'm going to also do that and I'm going to build that self-esteem, that pride in myself of what I'm doing and what I'm accomplishing. Just because I'm accomplishing things doesn't necessarily mean that that's my full identity, but it builds that momentum that we need to overcome those difficulties. Right. Does that sound right? Yes. Yes, it does. And so that's, again, Dak Shepard was mentioning that as well, but it's, um, it's an interesting thing. We have to do things to be proud of ourselves, then continue to build on that instead of just, I'm awesome, but I'm just going to sit here and do things I know aren't healthy for me. I know that aren't my ideal self. However, I'm just going to sit here and believe that I'm awesome, even though I'm kind of withering away mentally, emotionally, physically, health-wise, and that's not ideal for us, right? Right. There was a a day I specifically remembered where, like, I was looking at myself and my life like somebody, like I wasn't me, like I was somebody on the outside viewing myself, and I was just... I was really unhealth I was really unhappy with what I saw. And so I guess that that's a helpful mentality that I've um encountered is viewing myself as somebody on the outside that is uh critical, you know. That cuz like oftentimes we <coughs> We struggle to be critical of ourselves because, I guess, our maybe our emotional attachment to ourselves. We, uh, we don't come to terms with certain things about ourselves that hurt our feelings or make us, you know, maybe not seem like we want to be. But, you know, it's like, what are you going to do? Are you going to lie to yourself about it? Are you going to say everything's fine? Or are you going to deal with your, your discontentment with yourself? And so I would say my depression turned around tremendously when I started, again, dealing with the parts of myself that I was unhappy with rather than wallowing in it and working towards being more ideally how I want to be. That's awesome. So you mentioned exercise being a main uh, part in that, in your routine and regimen. Is there anything else that stands out to you as far as habits or what you did to help yourself overcome that? Uh, so I found that just all around structure, having a, you know, morning routine, a daily routine, I'm a, I'm the type of person that really 
thrives under structure and organization. Um, and at, at that point, I was not organized. You know, my business especially wasn't very organized. And I guess what came along with me looking at myself as a critical outsider was, you know, I was like, dude, you have a good thing going for you with your business, you know, maximize that, make the best of it, you know. And so my business since then has uh, increased and gotten better. Um, my marriage has, most importantly, that's the most important part of it. Um, yeah. Sweet. And so that then brings me hope as I'm hearing you share that of, of your future, you know, from here moving on, as you build that momentum, you're going to continue to improve and experience this, you know, joy or energy or fulfillment on another level, I think, as seems to be the rule. So future-wise, what, and you mentioned your marriage being the, the priority, what uh, plans do you and your wife have as far as the, the future of your family? So in the next couple of years, next year specifically, I'm planning on taking on an employee or two because like I said currently it's just me and my wife and after that after I have a couple an employee or two we are planning on getting pregnant baby 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 that baby's gonna be spoiled too yep grandparents everybody that's right I'll be pinching them baby cheeks that's right yeah and then I'll be laughing at y'all changing poo poo diapers And oh, I've, I've done it before. Yeah, you changed freaking dog diapers. I've seen you. That looks fun, too. I changed Josiah's diapers when he was little. There you go. I, you ain't scared. Like 11 or 12. So. You ain't scared. And what do you imagine as far as um, being a dad, how that will inf- uh, influence you or impact you? Like, what's your vision for that? Or do you have anything? Or are you like, eh, I don't know, one step at a time? Right now, I'm... I guess right now I'm trying to deal with things that I guess I see as family curses, you know, things that I see in myself that my parents struggled with that, you know, I love my parents. It's just, you know, parents are just kids grown up and having kids. So nothing, you know, I'm not at all trying to, you know, speak negatively of my parents or anything like that but alas you know we are our parents kids and you know there are positive and negative uh similarities that we have with them and so leading up to us having kids i'm trying to deal with uh things that i see in myself that you know i would uh that i feel could make my children's life or childhood better than mine. And is there something specific that stands out like, hey, if and when I do this and I'm going to encourage my child or children to do or think or feel this way and therefore it will benefit them, like what stands out to you as far as that? So, like, I think stress and anxiety is something that really runs in my family. Um, I think my parents have it, and I, with, with the benefit of hindsight, I see myself in the past as I was a very anxious child. Um, again, I, I didn't realize it until like the past couple of years, noticing the becoming more self-aware, noticing that I struggle with anxiety. I'm like, well, damn, I've struggled with this my whole life. <laughs> it's kind of like when you when you deal when you deal with it and you find some remedies to it, 
in its absence, when you're you're dealing with it, you realize that how where how often it was there, all along the time. Uh-huh. Um, so. So yeah, anxiety is a is a big one. You know, just being more calm, more cool, and collect. Um, that's ideally how I'd like to handle things. Daddy Isaiah, <laughs> Mama Darla, I look forward to it. All right, so we're going. We're going to start working into uh, pulling the car into the garage and wrapping up. So my question to you is, if you had the ability to, uh, we'll call it, upload a screenshot on everyone's phone in the country slash world, and that would be their background for a week, and it could convey some kind of message, imagery, benefit to humanity, whatever that would be, non-commercial, what would that message be, in, in your opinion, that would be impactful? Dare to be dull. It'd be a combination. Like, my message would be know yourself. You know, know your positive qualities and know your negative, um, your negative aspects. So I guess that goes back to a quote from Socrates. The unexamined life is not a life worth living. So, uh... It's just, you know, I, I feel like, at least I'm speaking from my experiences, we're, there's like this, this part of ourselves that we're afraid to look at. We're afraid to be critical of ourselves. And, but also when we are critical of ourselves, we're like way more critical of ourselves than we would be to anyone else. So maybe something like treat yourself like a, like a friend that you're responsible for caring for. Which I think Jordan Peterson mentions that as right, well, right? Right, I believe that's uh, is either second or third rule in 12 Rules for Life. So, yeah, know yourself. And then uh, my, I guess my second message is, you know, be resilient. Don't give up in whatever it is you're trying to achieve, you know. Um, yeah. So there's the two ends of the spectrum, right? The, you know, there's a lot of times we're not willing to look under the rug and, and on our own self and reflect and be like, I don't want to think about that or know about that, so therefore bury it. The other side is I look at it all the time you know it and, and, it I'm, overwhelms and I'm on myself right. and I can't forgive myself. I can't be patient with myself. I'm just, boom, you know, I feel that guilt or shame. And it seems that as we narrow it down and find a happy medium in that middle right. of finding Maybe, that balance. Like sometimes, sometimes, and this, is, this goes back to like stoicism, a value judgment just see it as, as it is you know so like something bad could happen like a tree fall on your house like last year a tree did fall on my house and rather view, rather than viewing it as oh this is this is a catastrophe this is terrible it's a you know use simple words to describe things you know there's a tree on my house you know it is what it is so now what deal with it yeah and so you know it's, I think it's something like be aware of yourself, but avoid giving certain things value judgments. Um, maybe look at it more along the lines of what is the version of yourself that you would be most at peace with becoming? And what are what are the 
aspects that are going to stand in the way of that and what are the ones that are going to help you get there you know so nice just maybe be it more objective and less uh I don't, I, I don't know the, maybe the correct way to say it. Uh, avoid giving value judgments. Just see it as it is. Right. Nice. So something that stands out to me too is when we talk about judging ourselves. You know, the most important commandment that we've learned, right, is love God and love your neighbor as you love yourself. Right. If you do not love yourself, it's going to be very difficult for you to love your neighbor. Right. And especially for myself, looking back at my religious past, loving myself, that is almost like a a too prideful or too ego of a concept that we don't focus a lot of time or effort on. And I think we've lacked, I have lacked in not having that perspective. And maybe there's religious teachers out there that do have that balanced and encouraged way. But, you know, for the most part, I didn't see a lot of time or effort spent on that. And if I can properly love myself, then I will better love my neighbor and my wife and my children because I have a healthy relationship with myself and them as opposed to always having self-doubt or being negative to myself. And then that's going to usually reflect in how I treat other people. So right. love your neighbor do as things, yourself. Do things that you would respect somebody else for doing so that you can have more self-respect. There we go. Yeah. So ultimately, the upload, know yourself. It's going to show up on everybody's phone and Hopefully we make uh, steps of progress in right. that. And if not that, you know, don't don't give up. Be resilient. Um, and I, yeah, that's just it. Kind of sounds cliche or uh, uh, generic, but cliches exist for a reason. They they do. And so do. I'll take we'll take it. They do. So all right, if if anybody wants to reach out to you and and follow you and connect with you, what uh, would be ways that. Uh, I believe on Instagram I am the underscore amazing underscore Isaiah. And on Facebook I'm just Isaiah Danbury. And uh, And if they're in the Cola, Michigan area, they can have their lawn done by uh, Isaiah's Isaiah's Lawn Care and Outdoor Services. That's right. All right, my man. Well, thank you very much. 2017. Boom. Let's get out of here. Peace. Peace. Thanks for listening. Today's show was brought to you by Humor because I love hilarious things. So I want to encourage you right now to write down my phone number, 574-303-8433. And text me something hilarious, quirky, goofy, unique that happened to you this week or this month. I want to hear it. Thank you so much for your support and listening to the show. That alone means the most to me. Peace. Pee poop, pee poop, pee poop, pee poop.